Welcome to No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. I'm your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, Alicia Stickles. If we're honest, family life can be hard. Family can be our greatest blessing, but also the source of our deepest wounds. At No Heart Left Behind, we have a passion to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. So each week, we're going to have real conversations about hard issues facing families today. It is our hope that you would be equipped with practical tools based on biblical principles for when life happens and relationships get messy. In other words, how do we flesh out all those Bible verses we know when life isn't looking like we had hoped? If you're in a season of family life that feels hopeless or you have a heart to navigate the challenges of family well, but just don't know how, you're in the right spot. So whether you are driving in your car or checking off one of your honeydews, pop in those earbuds and come find hope in the heart of family life with us. Welcome everyone to another episode of Hope in the Heart of Family Life. My name is Alicia. I am your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind. And I am here once again with my mom and lead uh, belief therapist, Abby Shields. Hey everybody. It's good to be back. Yes. And we are in our second series, probably our second most popular series um, alongside our Marriage Broken Together series, um, The Heart of Parenting. And last week, we kind of gave an overview of what the series is going to be, and we talked about the roles of parenting and influence. So if you haven't listened to it, you really should go back um, and listen. But today, we are going to jump into understanding the heart of your child. This is a really important topic to me. Because um, when I read Proverbs 4.23, it says, Pay atten- uh, Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it comes the wellspring of life. And it was that scripture that began my journey, along with another situation that happened with uh, a foster child that lived with us, where she, I yelled at her, and she turned around and said to me, You hurt my heart. And it was those two, the scripture and then her behavior, that caused me to begin this journey of studying the heart of an individual. And I really do think um, that this heart and relational approach um, that we take in this series really is what makes it so popular and I think uh, very effective, but also at the same time is like squirrely because, you know, understanding someone's heart, like that's, that's gray, it's relational, there's not like hardcore, okay, well, if you do these things, A plus B doesn't always equal doesn't always C, equal C. Right. but at the same time, I find it to be so effective just because, I mean, we are relational heart right. beings. Right. And plus it goes beyond looking at the behavior because there's always a, a core root of the behavior and so it can help you as a parent not look, not discipline the behavior, but help to heal the heart of the child that's causing this behavior. Yeah. So it goes deeper than yes. just the, yeah. I like that. So um, you had talked about Proverbs 4.23. Um, why is the heart, why is the heart so important? Like, well, why are we starting there? Oh gosh, that's a great question. Um, where do I even begin? Uh, first of all, the heart is the center. It's the center of our inner life. It's, it's truly what, fun, what 
is alive within us. You know, the initiation force behind all functions. It's basically the combination of your soul and your spirit. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so if you were to look at scripture, there are over 762 times that the heart is mentioned in just 54 books of the Bible. And so some of the things that I saw in there was that um, you have heart intelligence, like knowing in your heart. God refers to that. Um, maybe uh, another thing that I saw was having a willing heart. Uh, that's your will. Another one is your purpose. Like he talks about the plans of the heart. And then also it's your conscience. Like when, you're, when your conscience is bothering you, they say that you have a troubled heart. Okay. The other thing that I absolutely agree with 100% that it's the core of your potential. You know, people always said to me, Abby, you have so much potential, but I didn't really understand what that was. And that's the energy and the power within you to move forward and do what God is calling you to do, to be able to get that potential inside of you and act on it. And also that potential comes about because of your emotions, how you feel about yourself oftentimes determines that. And so there's all these things that um, have to do with the heart, but then it's also where you do your deepest thinking. Mm -hmm. And I think scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so, so he, he is. is. And that is so true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think that kind of leads into why it is so important to understand your child's heart. Is because a lot of their behavior, if I'm if I'm correct, um, comes out of their belief systems. It right. comes out of their heart and what they think about themselves and, and you know. what they believe to be true. And unfortunately, right in the middle of the word belief is the word lie. And so it's really important to understand your child's heart because if you don't, it can lead for them to have false belief systems. And those I can only give you, I'll just give you a few. We don't have time to give you all of them, but uh, what your child believes is what they think. What they think then creates that emotion and that emotion then creates an action. And so if you want to change their actions, you don't just change the way you help them think. You want to make sure that you are understanding their heart because that's where their beliefs, so they can either believe the lie about themselves that the world tells them or they can believe the truth that God tells them, tells us about our child and for us to teach them that. So some of those beliefs um, have to do with the message of shame, mm -hmm. which is at the root of, of um, the core issue of our spirit is the message of shame doesn't say you are, you made a mistake. The message of shame says you are a mistake. So not looking at their beliefs can cause them to feel devalued. I'm devalued. They don't, or they don't care about me. Um, another belief system that I see in my office is um, I'm a failure. That's a that's a biggie for a lot of kids. They think that they don't that they're a failure because they don't measure up to their parents' standards. Or they at school a lot of the belief systems that kids have is that they don't fit in, or that they're not good enough. Or when it gets really bad, then I see them with such apathy, and they say, "Why? Why even bother?" Yeah, I, um, you know, I experienced some of this with my oldest. I mean, he's uh, a couple years ago when he was in second grade, he was diagnosed with uh, dyslexia, and you know, we would sit down to do homework even after he was diagnosed, and he would just have these. Um, just really meltdown melt i mean yeah no other way to put it of just um meltdowns over 
you know, like simple problems that he couldn't get and, you know, or just meltdowns about homework. And I mean, it was just really intense and like in the moment, really, really hard to keep my cool and stay patient and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And, and what I realized is that all of that, that was coming out of him you know, maybe some like disrespectful talk and yelling and uh, it, the behavior was a result of, of shame, shame right. of feeling those messages of I'm stupid. This is too hard. And I mean, it's heartbreaking to watch. And, and had I not understood that that was shame coming out everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, there definitely is, I mean, and, and sometimes it does happen, you know, the the opportunity to get angry back and to punish or discipline, you know, for his behavior. But because I was able to see his heart and the shame that he was feeling in that moment, it allowed me to adjust my approach to parenting him in this very hard moment because I realized his behavior was a result of something deeper. Something deeper. And had right. I missed that, it, I mean, right. it could have just... Because these belief systems can become their reality. Yes. That, that what they believe is about themselves comes out in, in those, those, those things that I just mentioned. But then the rest of it is that these belief systems can lead them to developing self-defeating behaviors. Yes. And I think that's what you saw in Jack. Yes, because, I mean, he gets to a place where, like, you know, he doesn't even try right. to read certain, you know, that's because he just he just feels like, I can't do it, yeah. you know. And so it's just, that's just one, uh, that's just one example. Thing. But, I mean, it, you see it play out in other aspects right. as well. So I, I think one of the most damaging behaviors that come out of false belief systems is um, children begin to compare themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't, they, they compare themselves and lose 90% of the time where, and so then when they lose, then they say, what's, there's something wrong with me. Yep. And that's a, that's a huge self-defeating behavior. And that's yep. one of the things I try to help kids is to compare. And it says that in scripture in, in, um, uh, Galatians six, four, God talks about compare yourself to yourself uh, don't compare yourself to other people. And it, that's a powerful scripture that I try to show parents and kids that this is God telling you he created you specifically special the way you are. But what Satan gets us the kids to do is to compare themselves and then fall short and they don't measure up. Yeah. You know? And then another behavior that comes out of false belief systems is worry. Mm. And um, because worry gives you the illusion that you're in control. And when they feel that they don't have it, they believe that they're, they don't fit in or they don't have any control over their life, then that's when they begin to worry because it, it's a false system sense of uh, being able to control yourself like, mm. or that you have control over the situation. Gotcha. Okay. Like if I'm worrying about my husband um, driving on the causeway, as long as I'm, and I'm afraid that he's going to die or fall, get in an accident, as long as I'm worried about it, I don't think it's going to happen. But that's the false sense of security that yeah. worry does, worry gives you. Is that why we worry about our kids? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Because if you're worried about them, 
then prayerfully what you're worrying about won't happen. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it brings you into their life, even though it's a negative behavior. Remember, these are negative behaviors. They're self-defeating behaviors. Another one is blame uh, that comes out of false belief systems. Is You begin to play the blame game, and uh, it's not your fault. It's their fault. Yeah, I noticed that in my kids too. Is that whenever something happens, I mean, their 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 response right away is, um, "Oh, you know, well, this happened because of this," and it's it, they either blame like the circumstances around it or they blame their brothers. brothers. <laughs> <laughs> but it's never like there's a reason for. You know, yeah, because they don't want to assume the responsibility of their actions because of because they because, feel like that shame. Right. right because mm. then that feeds into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it, in understanding the heart of your child, like what what is it that, you know, the heart of a child needs that kind of replaces this shame and false belief systems like what do they what do they need at the core of a child's heart is the need to matter you know i I talk about this a lot that across your child's head you have they have these letters m m f i and that stands for make me feel important Mm. they want to know they matter to their parent or to their friends or to whomever they are trying to get into as far as the culture. And I think there's a difference between loving and mattering. Yes. You always talk about um, a, a situation when Stephen, my brother, was younger. Right. Um, where, I don't, you're, I think I was at college, so you're going to have to pick it up from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you weren't around a whole lot during that part mm-hmm. of time. Um, because you were out, you were much older. Bastard, yeah. yes. <laughs> so, um, I am so grateful to my son, Stephen, because he taught me a lot about parenting, because he was not afraid to speak up to me like my daughter was, because I would I, I, I would always give her the look, and she was always afraid of the look. So That's a typical never... first child that you just had to look at him cross-eyed, and they would straighten up. But right. Stephen was a totally different oh, piece. Oh, my gosh, yes. But... I was, this was years ago. He was 11 years old. He's now 37. So you know how long ago this was. But um, I was speaking over in Dallas and I would call home. I was speaking a lot at that time and traveling around the United States. And um, I would call home and talk to the kids. Well, this one particular time in Dallas, I called home and I spoke with Stephen last. I would usually talk with Alicia first and then spoke with Stephen. And um, I ended the conversation with, I love you, buddy. And uh, he said, I love you too, Mom. But then I heard, you know how you're, you can feel that your child is not done talking? And I said, but what? And he said, and he took a deep breath. And I was, I'm so proud that he was brave enough to tell me this. He said, Mom, I know you love me, but I don't think I matter to you. Mm. And that, that really hit me between the eyes. And I began to look at that statement. And I realized that what mattered to my son really didn't matter to me. Example. Um, he loved to play video games and he wanted me to come in and sit down and play video games with him, which I would do, but I would go first and there would be a fifth, I would have, my turn would be 15 seconds and then he would get the turn and an hour later he's still playing. And so I would say, go ahead and play. I got to go start dinner, but I'll be back. Well, I never got back to him. And so it's those, and the same, so it's like, he perceived just from that action that I didn't matter to him because what mattered to him was those video games. Another thing was that he 
loved art and he loved going to art museums. Now, for any of you who know me, that is not my wheelhouse. Yeah. And so, but Stephen loved it, so he would ask all the time, and I would never take him. I finally took him, and we're in the art galley gallery, and he's looking at all the different pictures. And I'm all the way, I've already looked at all the pictures, and I'm in the... <laughs> You're at the door ready to go. Well, or else I'm at the gift shop, shopping, waiting for him. Same thing. What mattered to Stephen didn't matter to me, and so it was really important for me to learn what mattered to my child. Yes, because, I mean, you know, on some level, we all love our kids, at least I, I think, I mean, I think yeah. I could say that. <laughs> um but we don't always send the message to them that they matter. They matter. And the, the idea is that they need to know not only that they're loved, but that they That what matter. matters to them matters to me. There, another time, Steve, when Stephen was younger, he was to show you how our communication, we don't mean to send these messages. Yeah. But Stephen was maybe six or seven, and he had these binoculars that he loved. And he would sit at the end of the, girl, uh, the driveway, and he would look through them, and he would say, Hey, Mom, there's a red leaf. And from what mattered to me was, I said, isn't it pretty? And then he would put the binoculars back up to his eyes and he would then look around and he'd say, hey, mom, over there's a red, a, a green leaf and I, or a, an orange leaf. And I would say, from my other perspective, which was mattering to me, was, Stephen, when they fall on the ground, we can rake them up and have a leaf fight. But Stephen didn't respond to that. And so then he put the binoculars back up to his eyes and he looked around and then he put them down and he said, mom, why is that one red and that one orange? And I <laughs> guess what I told him, who cares? Because the why didn't Wasn't really matter, was not important to me. That's why what we're going to learn today is that your children have all uh, in, in their spirit or in their heart, they have certain uh, intrinsic needs. Mm -hmm. And if you ignore those intrinsic needs or you don't parent to that intrinsic need, then that's when they're going to believe and hear the message subconsciously that they don't matter. And then what, what, is, what stinks about this whole thing is just that, like, like you said, parents don't necessarily mean or realize that they're sending those messages. these messages. Right. Because you're operating out of what, you know, my, what your yeah, heart. Yeah, what my heart's all about. And so that, again, that just goes back to, okay, checking in and understanding your own child's heart. Like, I mean, you know, my three boys, I look at them and I mean, they're just, um, they're all so different. They're so different. Like, mm -hmm. you know, my middle one just has this need to, um, be Our, seen and yes. noticed. And then my oldest, you know, just needs, encouragement like he he needs the attaboys and mm -hmm. you know and it's understanding what those things are um and that they need. Jude need jude's perfect he doesn't <laughs> <laughs> he's the boss baby <laughs> so yeah. um he needs affection yeah like yeah. he is just like he is not i mean he he didn't even want to come out the womb like he's just and he has clung to me ever since but mm -hmm. he needs that those hugs and that, you know, and, touch. and not and, that, that, not that your other two don't. Right. But that's like his, um, that's that, the way he knows that, that he, he matters, matters to yeah. me. Mm -hmm. that, um, that's such a huge word. Yes. Hey friends, did you know that no heart left behind is having a fundraiser? And what's even better is that no matter where you are listening to this podcast on Saturday, April 1st, you can participate in our online auction. 
NHLB's Heart and Soul Wine and Dine fundraiser with online auction will feature so many amazing items like jewelry, artwork, and even vacations. If you want to participate in the auction, you can follow us on social media or sign up at the auction link provided in the show notes to be notified as soon as the auction is live at 7 p.m. on April 1st. If you are in the Mandeville Covington area, you can check out the full Wine and Dine event at the event link provided in the show notes. As a 100% supporter-funded nonprofit, our annual fundraiser plays a vital role in sustaining our outreach and operations, which includes affordable biblical counseling and other family-focused events and programs, including this podcast. Any support is a blessing, so thank you in advance for partnering with us to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. So what are you, you, t- you kind of talked about these intrinsic needs of the heart. Well, you didn't talk about them yet, but you mentioned them. Right. Um, let's, let's spend some time there talking about what are these okay. needs of a, of a child's heart. Okay. All righty. Well, you're, the spiritual heart of your child and the spiritual heart of an adult as well, um, there are um, four basic chambers of the heart that we want to uh, learn to develop and to be able to... Um, show all areas that that they that all areas matter okay so so the first chamber the intrinsic need there is to be loved Mm -hmm. to be accepted yep okay just as they are yeah that's key okay because there's a statement that i always say is that when we quit trying to make our children into who we think they should be and allow them to become who god has created them to be your child is going to be a whole lot happier. But like with Stephen, once again, this was a huge mistake of my husband's and mine, is that we expected him to be an athlete just like you. Yes. And the poor child just... I got all the athletic genes yes, in the family. That's, that's the nice way to say it. Okay. But we were pushing Stephen him... would definitely say that too. We were pushing him to be an athlete. And the more we pushed him, the more his behavior became reckless and um, withdrawing and all yeah. of that. So I think we knew that wasn't going to go well when he got the award of the quietest Quiet. outfielder. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, that's so true because like we have this idea of what, you know, we want our kids to be like, I mean, I kind of joke around all the time. I'm like, Lord, you gave me boys. If they're not athletes, I don't know what to do with them, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but Having had these experiences and seeing and and eyes open to all of this, I do try to be very mindful and remind the boys. Now they are athletic, but I always try to remind them, like, hey, you don't. What else do you love? You don't have to play right. and sports. And also to let them, their identity doesn't come yes. from all of that. Yes, and that's a whole other topic for another day. Yes, but but anyway, but so the first chamber basically is to be loved and accepted. And okay? how can we? Um, I guess, encourage that, you know, because like you said, it's like, okay, I know this, but like, and and I use the, how, how do you do that? Like, what does that look like as a parent? Well, the parent's role in this basically is watch the words that come out of your mouth. Make sure that the words that are coming out of your mouth towards your child's are, are words that lift them up and not put them down, like compliment them and encourage them with any type of word or action where you do attaboys and all of that kind of stuff, whether whether they're performing or not, because you, you don't want your child 
to uh, develop the habit that they have to perform in order to be loved, that it is just love. And Alicia might yes. want Alicia might want to address that issue. <laughs> so yeah, I just um, you know I just grew up in a very performance based home, and it was like you know love was earned and based on what I did, meaning you know the grades I got in school, or if I chose the the things that you wanted me to do as opposed to what I really wanted to do. Um, yeah. I joke, I remember you would always make me sing zippity doo dah <laughs> in front of everybody in those big VHS cameras. And it was like, oh, dear Lord, not this song again. But it was like I had to perform for yeah. Yeah. everybody, and so I did it. But, um, yeah, and just, you know, that it's it's not based on anything. No, That's no, the thing no. is that love can't be conditional. No. It's got to be, I love you, you because, just because you're my kid. Right. And that's why I love God's love. Yes. He loves me just because I'm his kid. And that's my job then as a parent to let that love flow through me to my kids in that same manner. Yes. You know? But I think it's hard to do that unless you have experienced that from the God. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I really struggled with that because of my upbringing. But I can still remember when my first child was born, just looking at him and feeling this sense of love that I just didn't even know existed. And in that moment, knowing that literally had nothing to do with anything that he did. did. I mean, obviously, at that point, all he could do is like cry and poop. But <laughs> like... My point being is that even as he's grown up, like my love for him is not conditional. It's not conditional. And, and, but what was the, the crazy moment I remember sitting in that hospital bed, it was like the Holy Spirit whispered to me, the way you're looking at your child now is the way that I look at you. Mm -hmm. And it just was like, I mean, I just started crying mostly because I was probably hormonal at that point. But just that sense of I don't have to do anything to earn God's love and right. affection. And the way I feel about my kid right now in this moment is the way that God feels about me. Like, that's just, oh, yeah, my gosh. Yeah. Right, yeah. So what's so other things, other things um, besides listening to them is basically to or, or complimenting them is just listen. Don't try to fix everything all the time. Just listen to it, okay? Um, hold them. Um, just take a moment out of your busy today. Say, hey, let's go sit on the couch and... Or just give them a hug. Yeah, just yeah. give them a hug. And um, there's those are the things you can do. There's certain things that you don't want to do to destroy that intrinsic need of being loved. And, and what would that look like? Um, first of all, don't break promises to your kids. If you do what you do and say say what you mean and do what you're saying. Because that sends the message that yeah. they they matter. Right. Yeah. You know, so if you make a promise to take them out for ice cream and then you get overwhelmed with work or whatever and you miss that, it's really important that when you make a promise to your kids or you say, we're going to go do this, that you, that you do it. Yep. Okay. Another thing uh, is don't overreact and and get get so angry at them that you use those hurtful words or criticize them. But most of all, make shaming remarks. I was really good at that. Remember, I, I counsel out of my doctorate degree in life experiences. And, and if you want to talk about mistakes, I think I made every mistake in the book when it came to parenting. It's truly only by the grace of God that my kids are as 
wonderful as I think that they are, or as they are, you know. So, so those are the things you don't want to do. Yeah. To shaming, um, don't criticize them, don't overreact. Yeah. Another one is withdraw. Don't withdraw from them. Like if you're disappointed with them or you, you know, that's how my dad would punish me is he would withdraw and he wouldn't talk to me for days. Yeah. And I can remember as a child pulling on his pant leg saying, Daddy, talk to me. So don't be passive aggressive or withdrawal with your kids. Yeah. It does not lend itself to them feeling that they matter. Yeah. And I feel like we spent so much time on this, um, this need because like, I always say like love covers a multitude of sins. Right. And so like, even with these other things that we're going through, I feel like if you have that foundation of them knowing that they are loved and that they matter to you, um, you can work through a All lot of, things. a right. lot of other stuff. So right. what's, what's another intrinsic need, um, okay. of your, of another, another kids? intrinsic need of your child is accomplishment. Okay. Or achieving something, you know, being, so would you describe it as having purpose? Having purpose. Like validating yeah. their purpose? Right. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, they, so what is our role in that? Okay. Well, your role in that is basically make mistakes okay. I always try to teach my parents that I work with is that, you know, there are no, ultimately no mistakes, just lessons. God allows us to make mistakes so that we can learn the lessons. So... Don't get so upset when your child doesn't do it exactly the way you think it should be done or when they bring home a C or a D on their report card. Don't. That's okay. I always would ask my kids when they would bring home grades that were not to the standard that I thought they could do, I would always say, is this your best? And if they would say yes, then I would accept that. Um, If they said no, then we would say, what can we do to help you? be the best or yeah. to do your best in this situation. Yeah. This um this need really kind of reminds me um of the John Eldridge stuff about answering the question um for for boys. Now I have boys. I can't remember what the girl's question <laughs> is. I don't know what that says. But just that idea of do I have what it what it takes. takes to, yeah. Yes. And so if we um if we criticize and, you know, don't allow for mistakes and all those things, I think it inadvertently can send the message of, no, you don't have what it takes because you messed up and you failed. And and so, again, it's how we coach our kids right. through those mistakes. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I think we hold our kids to a higher standard than we hold ourselves. ourselves. Right. Like, it's like we're allowed to make mistakes, but when our kids make mistakes, it's met with, Rah! you know, just crazy. So I'm sure that was lovely, but you you get what I mean is that I'm, you know, I have to remember that is like, if I want grace for myself, I need to show, you know, grace for. And another thing in this arena is focus on solutions so that they can, if they, if they fall down or if they fall short, then you can help them with a solution for what can you do different the next time to help you achieve your goal. And that really, too, goes back to helping them be their own parent. So, Mm -hmm. like, when they grow up, when they're faced with mistakes or adversity, they're not just stuck in this, like, shame place of beating themselves up. Like, it's like, okay, what did I do? What did I do wrong? What can I do better? You know, and and have that internal dialogue with themselves as opposed to needing the adult, um, in the room. Mm-hmm. So what are some things, what, what are some other things that we shouldn't do to Should kind of, do? yeah. I, I, I think the big one is don't give up on them. You know, 
we we either end up giving in to our kids or we give up on them. Mm. And when you give up on a child, then that's when they really feel disconnected from the family. And you know, your standard your standard that you want your child to live to, if they're not meeting that standard, you've then got to look at is my standard too high? Yeah. All right. Because if a child never gets to achieve success, you know, and to please the parent or whatever, then they're, they feel like they don't have what it takes. Yeah, so, yeah. And then they feel that, well, you just give up on them. And that's really important for you not to do that. Um, don't disrespect their ideas. Kids, that's why I'm telling you, I, I learned a lot from Stephen. Mm-hmm. And I uh, learned a lot from Alicia after the fact. <laughs> but but um, Stephen, while he was growing up, really taught me a bunch of stuff. But um, So don't res- listen to their ideas because they got some great ideas on how to do things. Or, you know, don't discount that. And then don't be stubborn, or another one is don't be sarcastic. Mm. Um, sarcasm can be used as humor. And you're like, oh, I was just kidding, or, you know, but that's... that's it shames them. It shames them. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's the key. So what, um, you talk about another uh, need of the heart is, like, the fun stuff. Yeah, recognition. They need to be recognized, and that goes along with achievement, but then freedom to be able to skip and hop and jump and don't always have them color inside the lines. Let them step outside the lines and be free to do something different. Yeah. You know, even though it goes against your policies yeah. or whatever. And I think, too, just, um, you know, kids' brains develop through play. Right. And, you know, I, I think especially today, again, the the pace of society and kids having to have, like, some kind of structured... Uh, program or sport or scheduled something every minute of the day it doesn't allow them the freedom to to just play play. right and be a kid right and so in that laughter is so important to be able to do things with them so to laugh with them and to one of the one of the therapies that are things that are I call them homework assignments that I give the parents with their kids, especially in this arena, is, you know, um, be consistent but schedule fun things that your children love to do. Mm-hmm. And why is this so important? Like what, you know, it seems like something so little to like laugh with your kid or you know blow bubbles with whatever. Them or... Like what what does that do that helps well, it, with it, parenting? It, 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 God gave us laughter. I mean, you don't go to school to learn how to laugh, and parents don't teach their children how to laugh. It's a natural thing. And the reason God gave us that was that it helps control the endorphins in our brain so that we don't get depressed and that we did, um, don't go into dysfunction in our behaviors, etc. So, okay. And then to be able to um, laugh with the child, I think it keeps us young as well because... I forget the exact number, but I know children laugh a whole bunch. And then when we grow up, rarely do we laugh as much as we did when we were a kid. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I love uh, playing with kids and they tickle me or I tickle them and get them, you know, that big belly laugh. Mm-hmm. I mean, how often you do you as an adult do belly laugh? Yeah, you know? it's not. It's yeah. kind of so, few and far between. Yeah. So play with them and then be silly. 
I have no problem being silly. I mean, I'm just a goofball, but but which I love. I love being silly. Now, the older I've gotten, some of that's gone out of me, but um, just be free with your child because they need this. Yeah. yeah. They really need it. And what can hurt that, I guess, intrinsic need? Like, what are some things that maybe we do as parents yes. that really stifle um, stifle that? Yeah. Don't have too many rules. Mm. Okay. Right. That's a huge one. Don't have so many rules and shoulds and musts and oughts that your kids... you got to balance it. Yeah, you balance that. Yeah, you need the balance of the discipline, but at the same time, the freedom to be able to work within those boundaries. Um, don't make threats. Don't threaten them like, if you do this, I'm going to knock your socks off or... Whatever, because you don't want to. You don't want to discipline, and I think we talked about that in the. In, we will get into, we will be into um, right. You know, okay. discipline yeah. and choice language and all yeah. of that. Uh, yep. And um, basically, don't dictate what they can and cannot do. Let them make choices within your boundaries of your home. Okay. And I, I think the biggest thing then is don't, don't use your own value system to condemn them. Now, what I mean by that is, if, you know, because when we'll be talking about conflict resolution in the future, and one of the things that causes conflict is what a parent values is different than what a child values. And what we try to do is get them to have our own value system, which is structure and responsibility, all the ability words, right. responsibility, dependability, accountability. And so um, when you put that value structure on your child before they're ready for that, that's when it can cause anxiousness. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of anxiety in my office yeah. these days with kids. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And then there's one more, and I feel like this is another big one. The two kind of bookends of the needs of the heart. And um, you talk a lot about a kid's intrinsic need to feel secure. Right, right. And, you know, you definitely see this play out when you see kids that have gone through trauma. Um and they don't have that. Like, I think it really, you see the the need for it when you witness situations where it's not there. Right. And you right. see how kids... Um, yeah, because believe it or not, children want structure. Yes. They need it. Because if they don't have it, they don't have any boundaries or walls to bump into to see, oh, nope, I've gone too far or whatever. So um, for the parent who... Uh, doesn't want to have any rules or is not a disciplinarian, it's really important that you understand that your child does need that. They do need the structure. Yeah, in one of the classes I was taking, um, I think my professor was talking about a study that was done um, on a school playground. And it was a bunch of, like, you know, elementary, uh, pre-K type kids. Um and, you know, at recess, the kids would run around everywhere um, and they would go right up to the edge of the fence. And I mean, they were I mean, the kids were scattered everywhere and they would play right up the edge. Well, um, one one day, I guess they had to replace the fence. And so they removed the fence and you would think like the teachers are like, what the what? Like I did not sign up for a recess with no fences and having to like manage all these kids. But what they found was, is that the children didn't leave um, the center of the playground. the playground and they didn't venture off into all of the remote places. Like they, it was almost like a subconscious fear mm -hmm. because they had no idea 
where the boundary lines were that they stayed very compact and um, huddled. huddled because they didn't know what they could and could not do. And right. it just, um, it was so interesting because you would think they would just run off and go everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and they didn't. They yeah. stayed really close to their um, teachers, right. you know, because those were, that was their source of security. Right. So, yeah, that it is. And um, even though the child balks at it, they need it. They need it. Yes. Okay. They don't know it. They don't know it at the time, but they need it. But not, don't be, or as a parent, to bring this into your child's life, delegate responsibility to your children from, a, you know, age on, age appropriate all the way up. Mm-hmm. You know, start early giving with them little things. Little things. Yep. Like with your six year old, I see that you have Jude um, empty the silverware of the dishwasher. He yes. doesn't empty the whole dishwasher. But he, that's delegating a responsibility to him, yep. you know, and basically, um, be dependable. Do what, like I said before, do what you say and say what you do yep. or whatever that mm-hmm. says. Okay. <laughs> um, another one is, uh, be consistent in your discipline. We'll talk about that next time. Yep. I think. Well, yeah. Cause that, you know, it's providing these boundaries and this structure in a Christ centered Manner. way right. there's a there's a way to do it that doesn't just right. like kill right. the spirit of of our kids right. so and you know think ways to or things that you don't want to do in this department is don't always demand your way okay give them grace um compromise compromise let them come up with ideas on what they should or shouldn't do or that types of stuff but then the other thing is don't live by shoulds, musts, and oughts. You should do this all the time, or you must do this all the time. Okay, live by letting them make choices over what they want. So and why that, is that important? Because it can cause them to be too structured. It can cause the shoulds, musts, and oughts. You ought to do this. You must do this. You want them to live according to what God ultimately wants them to do. But it's important that you. Don't do too. I mean, you can say you should, but you want it to be their idea. You want it to. You want to talk them through it to be able for them to come up with an idea on how to set, how to be responsible. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. Does, that, does that make sense? Yep. So as we kind of wrap up this conversation, why? I guess what I want to ask is why is it so important to understand your child's heart? Like, how does that help with parenting? Well, I think it goes back to the scripture that we started with and the reasons why it's so important to understand your child's heart because it is the core of their potential. It is the seed of their deepest emotions and it is where they do their deepest thinking. And so when you see in God's word that it says, above all else, guard your heart for out of it comes the wellspring of life. That's an important scripture to understand that what you put into your child's heart and how you relate to the heart of your child is going to be what's going to come out. Is anger going to come out? Is bitterness going to come out? Is uh, rage going to come out? Is um, self-deprecation going to come out? And so what we put into the child's heart is what is going to come out. For me, I had a lot of anger in my life and because anger was used to discipline me and not listen to me and all of that and so I grew up as an angry child into being an angry adult 
And so if there's any scripture that, that I think applies to this episode today, it would be that one. And I encourage parents to pay attention. And the great news is, is that God can fix a multitude of sins. He yeah. really can through his love. And our family, I think, is a prime example of that. Yes, I would definitely agree. Mm-hmm. All right, it is time for our counselor's corner (laughs) where we put my mom on the spot in kind of a Dear Abby style, and she has to... And I have no notes here in front of me, so this is totally coming out of my heart. (laughs) So, um, but that's what we like to do. We like to pretend that our listeners could kind of pull up onto onto your couch and talk to you about something that they're dealing with in their home and that as best you can, not knowing the person or the circumstances Circumstances, surrounding the issue, kind of speak into that. So um, our listener today, her name is Sarah, and she said, uh, I have noticed some anxious behavior in my teenager that seems to be getting increasingly worse. As her parent, what can I do to help her? I think this is a big one. I mean, anxiety is. is such a huge issue that is facing so many parents today in terms of helping their, well, the parents have it too, but, you know, in helping their kids navigate through it can be even harder. Yeah. Well, then maybe this is for both the, both the mother, because I'm sure that there's some of that in her question, you know, like uh, she's using her child, but I think there's somewhere underneath there, there might be some intrinsic need there for her to understand as well, or for anyone who's listening. Um, Anxiety is basically heightened fear. And so when a child is feeling insecure, she's there, all of those needs of the heart that are not being met um, can cause some trepidation of, am I on the right path? Am I doing it correctly? And all of that. Am I going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? Okay. And so something that it's, it's something that I teach in my office and it's called the SOAR method, S-O-A-R. And it's an acronym for how you can deal with the issues that you're struggling with, whatever the part of anxiety is. And like you said, this is hard for me to answer specifically because I don't know the child and I don't know the dynamics of it. But this can go across the board and you can use it as you see fit. And the first that the, so the first letter is S and S stands for step back. Just step back for a second, get some oxygen in your, in your body. And so that it flows through to your brain so that, because believe it or not, breathing can when you get anxious your body shuts down and you're not getting the uh, oxygen that you need that's what can cause some of the other symptoms of sweaty palms and rapid heart rate so the first one is step back the second one the second letter is o and it's here you want to observe and what do i want you to observe i want you to absorb what are you feeling am i feeling inadequate or maybe i'm feeling uh that i can't do anything right or maybe she is feeling that um, she's not listened to or that she is wor- whatever those feelings are. So that'd be like what's causing the anxiety? Like well, what's Yeah, the... that's the first thing. That's the, yeah, that's yeah. the root of it. Is it uh, fe- oftentimes anxiety comes out <laughs> of feeling, okay? And so then, th- so once you identify that and you as a mom can help do this with your child and help talk through that and get mm-hmm. them to. And then the third one is assess. 
And so the difference between uh, the feelings, which then leads into assessment, that's where you ask the questions, okay? Maybe the question of, um, is it true that I can't do anything right? Well, that's not true because we can all do something right. Um, a question that when I'm um, dealing with an issue, I might say, is this a mountain I want to die on? Is this something that I really want to push through or am I just going to let it go and surrender it to God? Mm -hmm. um, another question might be, are my emotions helping me or hurting me? Uh, which in, with anxiety, it's pulling you down. Okay. So then another question is, um, are there any scriptures that I can go to to have the Holy Spirit speak to my spirit? And to be able to overcome that anxiety. Yeah. One that I, you know, because I struggle with anxiety, one that I always ask myself is, is this real right now? Because I think a lot of times anxiety comes from um, worrying about things in the future. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of it has not happened yet. We right. are projecting what might That's happen. Right. And so it's like, you know, what is real right now? Mm -hmm. Has this happened yet? No, it has not. Right. And that kind of helps me come back to... That's excellent. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and then the fourth one, R, is respond. How are you going to... What does it look like for you to respond? Yeah. Okay. Those are good. So, Sarah, we hope that uh, we hope that helps you and hope prayers so. for your daughter. If not, give us a holler. We'll see what we can do. Thank you so much for joining us on No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. We hope you felt seen, encouraged, and just a little more equipped to love your family well. If you want to learn more about No Heart Left Behind, be sure to check out our website, www.noheartleftbehind.com, or visit the link in the show notes. If you love the podcast, we would love it if you would follow us on your favorite podcast player. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. Your encouragement is not just for our egos. It really helps others find the show and encourages them to check it out. Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. So until we see you again next week, go home and be a world changer.